What's up, gamers? Welcome to Battle Mallet Podcast, Episode 10, Sudden Growth. Battle Mallet Podcast is a podcast delving into the minds of poor, busy gamers, discussing their annual nervy... Wow. I'm just... No, I'm keeping it. I'm keeping it. (laughs) Podcast delving into the minds of poor, busy gamers, discussing their annual journey to the Nova Open, the games they love, and balancing life with those games. And I'm keeping it. I'm not editing it out, because I'm tired. Um... (laughs) So in this show, we've got a hot dice segment talking about um, the announcements coming out of the Age of Sigmar Open Day. We'll do a crack glass segment covering the recent tournament that Jason, Trace, and I attended. We've got an interview with Brandon Huss, a friend of Trace's who went to the ATC, uh, and then that'll wrap us up. Um, just, uh, just to remind you guys, if you are starting to listen to the show now and you want to know more about who we are, um, by the way, who are we? I'm Jared. I'm Trace. I'm Danny. And I'm Jason. Yeah, killing this opening, you guys. Best one yet. We have an episode zero where we talk about our history as gamers, the games that we play, factions that we play for various games. So uh, the audio is a little spotty, but it's worth a listen. So take the, take the time, go back to listen to that one. Um, just so you can learn more about who we are. Uh, yeah, so we've got all those segments coming up, but before we dive into that, what's everybody been up to? What you got, Trace? I have been painting Beastmen and painting Beastmen and painting Beastmen. Um, that's pretty much what all I've been up to the past few weeks. Um, and on vacation this week, so won't get a lot of painting done, um, but hopefully I'm going to get to teach some of my cousins how to play Underworlds, which will be fun. Nice. Um, you know, brought all the all the war bands minus the Yothari's Guardians because Jared has mine, and um, going to try and get some just you know learner games in. Probably just use the faction only cards and then add some stuff in just to kind of round out the objective deck stuff like that. So I'm excited to do that. Yeah. That's awesome. Cool. Danny, what you got going on? Uh, I, I bought a case, and I have no voice, so that's probably the most important thing. Uh, I've been out uh, not hobbying very clearly and uh, losing my voice at sporting events, so you probably won't hear too much from me on this episode as I try to keep this from feeling like I'm swallowing sandpaper. But uh, in my hobby time, I, I bought a case. I bought one of the new... Um, Magna rack cases from Battle Foam. Really happy with it. Uh, and so I got all of my Middle Earth strategy battle game miniatures magnetized, painted, based, completely 100% finished, put in the case. And uh, Jason and I ironed out my half of our doubles list. And so I'm just finishing up assembling a few of the uh, Primaris infiltrators. It'll be all blue all the time as I paint up the Ultramarines until Nova. Nice. Nice. Have you given the Magarak a, a shake yet? Like, is yeah, it holding so, strong? Uh, yeah, so I, I tipped it. Like, I turned it upside down. And that worked really well for 99% of my models. But, uh, so I had to put extra magnets in a couple of the miniatures because they're uh, old pewter miniatures with big banners that are super oh, wow. top heavy. So when I turned it, that you know, gravity kind of came into play there. 
Um, but for like a regular plastic miniature, just one little magnet and those suckers were, were on there. It was, it was, and then obviously magnets are multiplicative, so you can add more magnets, the heavier the model, just more magnets. Yeah. That's you awesome. Make your juggalo friends proud with how many magnets you have. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Um, I have been painting reverse and, um, I, they're at the point now where if, if they were based, I would put them on the table. Um, they've got, you know, every every coat except one has, you know, more than one shade to it. So I need to go through and highlight the black cloth and do the kind of molten highlight that we're doing for the black armor. But uh, everything else, the gold trim, the skin, the weapons has, you know, base coat shade highlight on it so um, it's been good to to see those come together um, and it'll be nice when they're done because it's the biggest chunk that i'm doing for our devil's army you know with 20 reavers coming through um and then not related to any kind of gaming that i've done um i in the new house finally you know bought some shelving and some stuff so i've got all of my hobby stuff now organized in the closet in the bonus room. Um, so everything is, all of my hobby stuff is now finally out of moving boxes and in a place where I can get to it more easily. So that, you know, one hour of night minimum that I'm trying to get done on my hobby uh, is going to be easy, easy, even easier to do. Gosh, talking tonight, let's hope this is not a portent of my ability to speak for the rest of this podcast. <laughs> Something um, tells me it won't be. Yeah. The uh, other the other big thing you made in hobby was you might have got the internet issue figured out, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that and I guess since you know, the, I guess the podcast counts as hobby. Yes, I don't know. Maybe somebody told me like a month ago to call my ISP, and it may have taken me three and a half weeks to do that, but it's been done, and so we haven't had any hiccups. Uh, we did a test Skype call earlier and. So no hiccups, and since we started recording, there have been no hiccups. So fingers crossed, everything will go smoothly. Um, and then, you know, I, pl I played some games, and but Jason and I can talk about that. But, but Jason, you've been, you've actually been doing a little painting. Yeah, I, I got a lot of hobby progress in. Um, so the dwarves are coming along for Underworlds. I've you know finished up two of them. The other two are 99% done. I just got to do some highlights on some beards. Um, but, you know, once again, that was my dive into contrast paints, as we talked about last time. You know, they worked a lot better on the last two because the skin was done on the last two. So really happy with the way the dwarves are shaping up. Um, but then more importantly, uh, from hobby, we had a community building day, which is what I'm classifying as a roll some dice day. Uh, we went to a local shop on Gamers Armory, and this is kind of like my makeup. Uh, on the last episode, we talked about where I had to bail um, because Emma was sick on a tournament or a, a gathering um, for Underworlds at a different shop of, called Gamers Armory here in Cary, North Carolina. Um, so the wife gave me a pass the following Saturday um, to try to organize a small get-together event, and, and that went off. Uh, and I do have to say it was it was highly enjoyable. We had Jeffrey and Steven, and you yourself, Jared, as you know, showed up. So there was four of us, 
and it was really nice to sit in a laid back uh, store environment because the gamer armory is is that it's very laid back. It is not really hustle bustle uh, and roll some dice to eleven o'clock on a Saturday. So it was refreshing. Although the the were the worst the three worst games of Underworlds I've played in a long time. <laughs> but they they were games that you would not have played otherwise. That is. That is true. I mean, I, I did score one glory against you, so yeah, uh, it was it was bad. Um, and then what? The other exciting thing is then the following day. So the family that watches Emma and Aiden for us during the week, um, their son has been showing interest in the hobby. Um, so he's been bugging me to get some games in, and and we finally lined it up. So on Sunday. Uh, he came over, and him and my daughter sat down and and played Underworlds or you know, uh, Kinder Worlds as we've dubbed it here, which is the the scaled down version where every fighter is inspired. You basically lay out two boards that are not damage hexes and put five objectives, uh, kind of equal distance. Uh, and he did really well. You know, the first game Emma did take it and win by one. And when I say Emma took it. Uh, she really knows how to pilot uh, Thorn, the queen. Like that, the queens, the she knows how to to utilize Varkloff's power of pushing all the chain wraps and getting on objectives and, and scoring and knowing when to attack. So I'm very, very proud of her, although she did only take it by one glory. Uh, and then the next game, um, uh, Maddox was the kid down the kid that we were teaching, he took the Sky Dwarfs and Emma picked Molog. And I'm thinking, oh, no. Oh, my Lord. Like, this kid's, like, all excited. Um, and here we go. But honestly, without the cards and Emma, her dice rolls were terrible. Um, so I was very appreciative of that. Uh, he won, and uh, I think it made his day. He took down the big troll. Uh, after I built up the big troll, and it was it was really cool. And then we played one last game of actually two warbands versus two warbands, which in nine objectives on the board, which was super fun. Like it was like really like kind of like a big battle skirmish thing going on. And him and I played, uh, and it was a lot a lot of fun. And you know I was able to kind of teach him, you know how to look at movement and stuff like that. So uh, looking forward to to hopefully having them over again. I did dig out the old Battle Masters game, which is what I was brought up on, um, to try to introduce him to that to the next time he uh, comes over. So two community-building events uh, in that time period, and then, as we'll get into later, was able to attend a tournament for Underworlds. So lots of stuff going on. That's good. And, uh, yeah, so what are we... What are we? Five weeks from Nova? Five and a half weeks from Nova? Six weeks from Nova? Six weeks, I think. I think it was seven weeks last episode, right? So five and a half now? It's close. I don't count days, I just keep painting. Just keep painting, that's right. Brush brush, brush to model, brush to model. That's all you need, one, one thin layer at a time. <laughs> um, well, cool. So, uh, yeah, it sounds like we're making progress. I think... Um, Hopefully for the next episode, uh, we'll get another uh, campaign game in. I'm cooking up some uh, a, f- a four-player scenario, so it'll probably be the Ultras and the Crimsons against 
Chaos and Tyranid. Um, and I'm, gonna, I'm trying to figure out, look at the book and maybe look at some stuff online to, to try to balance that in a way that it's not, you know, like slog fest and, you know, uh, totally uneven. But um, I'll tease that for you guys now. So uh, in a couple of weeks in our next regularly scheduled gaming session, um, hopefully we'll have that to look forward to. I can't um, wait for that because all I can picture is Starship Troopers where all the bugs are running on up to that base and these bombers just come over and nuke all of them. I mean, that's that's kind of what I'm envisioning right now. I mean, that makes sense. <laughs> I like it. I mean, it, it seems like a tactically sound decision to me. Um, so hopefully, yeah, maybe we'll see that happen. So, um, yeah, so with that, I think... Uh, I think we'll we'll move on to the next segment. So we'll we'll take a break, come back with some hot dice, and talk about the uh, Age of Sigmar open day. Welcome back. So, gentlemen, are you ready to get your hot dice on? We got a lot to talk about this week. We have some exciting announcements on the Age of Sigmar front. And then, you know, we were all, or I was, War Cry Curious, and we got a huge download of rules and settings and war bands. Can't wait to dive into that. And then uh, a, a sneakiest announcement this past weekend uh, for our beloved Underworlds game. So let's just dive right in. War Cry. A few episodes ago, we were why, War Cry Curious. Well, I've bought in. What about you, Trace? Are you buying in? Uh... Yes, uh, I've jumped in both feet. Haven't looked to see if there was a no diving sign. Nothing. I'm I'm in it to win it. Um, really, really excited about that game. I think it's going to be really cool. And uh, one of the things that I am most excited about it is the fact that it's an action-based game. So it's not a like you have two actions. Every fighter has two actions, which is something that other games that we've played in the past that kind of dabbled with is a mechanic that we've liked a lot. So I'm excited to see what GW's spin on that is. Um, and then it's also pretty streamlined as far as like the activations and stuff go. So you only roll the dice one time and there's no chance for Jared to roll a crit and ignore everything that you just did. So I'm a little uh, sad about that. Well, I'm not. So, <laughs> but I think it's going to be a lot of fun and, just a lot of the uh, the mechanics that they have that they've previewed just seem like they're just going to be really smooth and just allow us to just get together, roll some dice, and have a really good time. Yeah, like a quick game, right? Mm-hmm. So what what faction have you settled on? Well, initially with the with the warbands that are out on release, definitely leaning towards the Iron Golem. Um, you know, I like guys who look like they're in a bunch of deep scuba suits. Um, no, they look, they look really cool. Um, I like heavily armored dudes anyway, and they just seem to fit with kind of what I would imagine them to play as, which they're described as being like super tough, but not super fast. And they have kind of this Roman legionnaire feel to them as well. Gladiator feel to them. And I just think that that's something that's really appealing, at least to me, um, I don't know that I'll paint them in the metallic red like they've got them in the in the art. 
it's really neat, but I would, you know, might want to put a little bit more of a creative spin on it, try some new techniques out maybe. So yeah, I'm excited. I saw a Facebook post today of someone did almost like a bone style of armor and it, you know, those are not the most aesthetic, aesthetically pleasing models to me out of the whole range, mm-hmm. but putting a different, you know, color palette on them. Actually, I was like, wow, these look, these look pretty cool. Yeah, I think it'll be just a cool way to just experiment because, you know, you're painting, um, you know, nine to 15 guys or so, something like that. And just new ways to experiment. If they don't look great, you can sell them and try again. So awesome. Jared, moving on to you. Are, are, are you no longer war cry curious? Are you all in too? Oh, I'm totally all in. Um, I think Trace and I have been pretty much been all in since the thing. <laughs> Um, came out. Um, this is true. <laughs> I've, I've, I've really liked all of the war bands. Um, you know, whether I like the aesthetics of them or not, I think the sculpts are phenomenal. Um, but the last one that they released, the Cypher Lords, was the one that really spoke to me the most. Uh, and, I, and I think it's because of the like pseudo Egyptian theme to it. So I've always been like fascinated by like the middle eastern history like egypt uh watched the movie the mummy and was just like wrapped up in like mummies and egyptian lore for a long time when i was i got whenever that movie came out and then um in the world that was warhammer fantasy battles the empire light wizard um had an egyptian theme and then tomb kings came out and i was fascinated by them as well so just that you know like the golds and the whites together um that those colors together i've always found fascinating and then reading about the lore of the cypher lords that they've been kind of acting covertly in the realm of light you know under the nose of everyone there that you know uh techless and and the other you know major players on the order side that are uh kind of ruling the realm of light Um, so the idea of being this like subtle chaos you know not blatant not you know not cornate you know smash and kill and not you know purely nurgle let's infect everything but this this other side of chaos that is infiltrating society um that idea i think is is pretty fascinating i'll be curious to see how that translates into the tabletop rules for them but i'm pretty excited about it what what uh what game mechanic has been spoiled or released that has you most uh excited about Warcraft? so i think so trace spoke to the one that one of the two really that really um fascinates me is the the actual activation mechanic so that it's alternating activations and two actions from a list of available actions per activation um but coming into that so there's like a set of actions that you can do and from what i've read each faction has another set of actions that are available to them and that ties into the initiative so for anyone that hasn't read about this when you roll initiative each player rolls six dice and you set the singles aside and then you set any doubles or triples or quads whatever the case may be aside and so the number of singles that you roll gives you priority for initiative and then your sets of doubles and triples will unlock other actions for your warband to take so I like that kind of give and take, that there's an upside and a downside to winning initiative. 
Um, but then I, I'm really curious to see kind of what the different, you know, doubles or triples uh, abilities are. Trace was talking about one for the Iron Golems where you basically charge and whatever the sum total of your triple roll was. So if you rolled like three fours, it would be 12. If you rolled three fives, 15 and so on. You just straight up do that much damage to the fighter that you're engaged with, which is like, I mean, so you you could do like 18 damage. Um, which sounds like a lot, but some of these fighters have 20, 25, 30 wounds. Uh, some of the bigger, beefier ones. So yeah, I'm excited the, about. The incorporation of what we would call the Fate Dice or, you know, Blackstone Fortress, like the Destiny Dice type type feature is really, really cool. I know one of the Untamed Beasts, I think it's on a triple or quad, like the guy with the big harpoon can throw and actually drag somebody closer to him. I knew um, you would love that one. I just knew it. Like yeah, it's pretty cool. As soon as I saw that, I was like, "Oh, Jason's gonna love doing that." Yeah, it's uh, it opens really cool tactics and Scorpion get over here's so awesome. <clears throat> I mean, so that that takes us to Danny, and Danny, I, I know that you are not Warcry curious, so I'd like to ask you, like, what is it about the game? that has you a little bit on the edge of not wanting to play? Well, it's, uh, there's not a lot about the game itself that has me turned off. Uh, it's more about where I am personally with hobbying and what I want to get out of hobbying. And uh, I am finding myself less and less enthused by the idea of joining a new hobby hamster wheel of games and expansions <laughs> that I have to keep on track of and and so that's more than anything so it's not a knock on warcry because i do think there's some cool stuff happening there um but if there was one thing that i wanted to point out for myself personally which i think is probably going to be pretty unpopular on this podcast is that there isn't a single war brown band that aesthetically excites me i think they are all unbelievably fantastic models from a technical standpoint but just the style of them doesn't do anything for me doesn't doesn't tickle my pickle and so uh it's hard for me to to find a reason to to invest because i don't feel personally uh attached to any of the war bands and the options outside from the different realms aren't necessarily fleshed out enough at this point for me to be like okay well i could just kind of run with that yeah i i totally understand that there are two unrevealed model ranges for Warbands, although they were announced uh, or spoiled, I should say. Um, they have not shown models yet, so maybe those will get out there and, and as you said, tickle your pickle from down under. Hey. Um, yeah, I totally understand, like, not wanting to kind of continue to rotate games. You know, here on, on the podcast, we do stay strictly in GW, but even in GW... There are a lot of games, and we're constantly shifting, so we respect that. Um, <laughs> but I still will have models for for you to play, and and uh, you know the other thing there too is the kill team model, right? Like you look at Warcry, and not from a, a game mechanic standpoint, but from a, a product standpoint, it definitely has kill team marketing and retail all over it. So yeah, it, it, we will have to wait to see how that hamster wheel or release schedule goes because we all you know as gamers that have a lot of thing go a lot of things going on outside of the hobby we all have to pace ourselves 
uh, when it comes to that. So good words of advice there. Um, for me, I think it goes without question. I was like, I'm not a huge AOS fan. Uh, like Danny, I don't want to buy into every single game that comes out of GW, but those untamed beasts, uh, those models are by far some of the best models that I've seen. The rules do look cool. Um, and then really what has me kind of like fully bought into Warcry is I think that it's showing great progression from GW and taking all of these elements of other games and incorporating them into one. So you have the, you know, the fate dice or the initiative role that will be known here. You have the crit dice from, you know, underworlds where six is always hit and then they're critical. So they cause more damage. You have simplistic, simplistic rules with uh, strength and toughness. Then you go into alternating activations, simple activations for each fighter um, laid out um, randomized, scenarios based off a hard deck which is kind of like open war but then streamlined even more and then oh yeah there's a narrative rolled into all of it if you want that part as well so they've definitely taken some of the best features of all their games or other games for that matter uh, and incorporated it into one so i'm excited to get some models and some dice on the table and try war cry when it comes out here in a few weeks so Awesome. That's Warcry, and we'll just keep moving right along with Age of Sigmar. And there were some other announcements this weekend, and that is two new battle tomes, kind of reuniting factions from Season 1, I guess you'd call it, or whatever, Age of Sigmar 1.0 and now into 2.0. Uh, Trace, what, what, what battle tomes are being redesigned? Uh, so it looks like what they're doing is they're making to where... Um... A lot of the smaller sub-factions that they kind of broke out whenever they first started Age of Sigmar and are kind of giving them a way to kind of reunite under the Cities of Sigmar banner. So, like, as all these stories have come out for Age of Sigmar, we've known, we've heard about these different iconic story, uh, iconic cities that have been um, involved in the story. Places like Tempest Eye and some other ones that I just can't think of right off the top of my head, but basically <clears throat> it's allowing all these smaller factions, like I can think of uh, a couple that are out off the top of my head, like Swift Hawk agents. How many people really play Swift Hawk agents that aren't completely, un, you know, completely sunk into Age of Sigmar? Not really many people. I can think of what maybe the hell a couple. Is a Swift Hawk exactly. Agent? Exactly. So, um, you know, Darkling Covens, like those are the old, those are the old Dark Elf infantry um, with some of the like Hydras and stuff like that. Um, but the Swift Hawk agents are basically like your Lothar and Seaguard from the old days, the Falcon Chariots, um, and uh, I think the, what are they called, Jared? Right off the top of my head, the Fast Cavalry for Elves. From back in the day, I can't remember the name right off the top of my head. Oh, uh, I can't either. Reavers, maybe. Illyrian Reavers. Illyrian. Yeah, that's Reavers. it. There so you go. those those are the ones that are there, that are in Swifthawk Agents. So I think all those smaller factions are getting an opportunity to have new fleshed out rules in the Cities of Sigmar book, and then have a way for you to like unite all those all those factions together. Um, and then the other one 
is the Auric War Clans. So Iron Jaws just got a refresh. So I'm not sure how thrilled Iron Jaws players are about this. But um, because they just got some pretty cool rules through General's Handbook. So I would hope that they got to get just picked up out of General's Handbook and put into this new book. Um, but the Auric War Clans combines Iron Jaws and um, Savage Orcs. And Savage Orcs are, are Bone Splitters, Bone Splitter Orcs. Um, so those two are now getting combined, which is actually a really interesting prospect for that for that army as a whole because Iron Jaws are just really fast and really hard-hitting in combat. And Bone Splitters have a lot of really good options from range, and they also have some really fast units as well. So I think that those two together are going to actually provide... A really interesting tactical combination as one army. Um, I hope that you can still run them independently. So I hope that they do kind of like what they did with Beasts of Chaos and with um, Gloomspite Gets and stuff, where each sub faction kind of retains their own faction abilities, but as a whole, like you gain this larger faction ability. So I'm hoping that that kind of is the way that it goes. But we'll see. I'm really excited that they're giving you know, all those smaller factions, some love, um, and allowing them to, you know, just feel a little bit more refreshed, you know? Yeah. Very cool. Cause I know that there was the limited knowledge I have of age of Sigmar is there was like some factions that had like two units. It's like, how do I even yep. run this faction? And, um, that cities of Sigmar cover, you know, the, the, uh, human, uh, Looks yeah, the Empire, really, the Empire Greatsword that's on the front. Yeah, it's beautiful like, art. It, it's a, it's awesome artwork. I really wish the models represented as well <laughs> yeah. as, yeah. as that cover because it's definitely eye catching. Well, great. And the last piece that we have in Hot Dice is something that I've been waiting for. Uh, we got it spoiled or announced a few, few months ago, but now we have some details. And that is season three for Underworlds will be called Beast Grave. And although we don't have a ton of pictures on the models, we do know that our mighty adventurers have escaped the Night Vault or uh, Shadespire and are out in the in the Beast Lambs of Gur on some mountain, right? So, and there were some blacked out images on some figures. So, any thoughts from anyone on? what those figures could be i think you're going to see some updated wanderers yeah models within the near future too um so does that mean jared's going to jump factions to wanderers no i don't think so maybe <laughs> <laughs> you don't know me um i think if jared was going to jump on anything i think he would jump in sylvaneth because i think he's really enjoyed painting those sylvaneth models um but the Wanderers are... I've always liked the Wanderers, and if they make like new plastic Warhawk Riders or whatever, that would be really, really cool. Yeah. Um, as a larger faction, not just within Night Vault or Beast, Beast Grave or Underworlds or Shadespire or whatever we want to call it. Um, call it Shadespire. Call it Shadespire. Um, I, think, uh, I think this, you know, what we've seen of these factions is that they touch on these factions and then usually those kind of get rolled into other factions as they get up refreshed or whatever. So I'm excited to see that, but yeah, it looked like a centaur, like a centaur version of a wood elf, which I think is a really neat concept. 
Yeah. yeah, somebody somebody posted a picture of the Wanderers like cavalry units, and it totally looks like yeah. that. Like you, the yeah. the blacked out image kind of makes it look like a centaur, centaur like like half elf, half beast. But I think it could be a rider, and then then I'll pose that question: like if it is some sort of rider, some sort of cavalry unit, like we've seen fast moving, you know, dogs and beasts in the game, but somebody mounted like on a on a horse or something like that like what kind of movement is that model gonna have to have <laughs> eight yeah and you're probably looking at like a at, at very minimum a six yeah that's because i mean i think yeah because five is the fastest like innate movement that we have so far right yeah i think so I think yeah. so. Yeah. Like Yothari goes to five. The rate yeah, the, the rats go to five. Yep. Five is the fastest. Five yeah. is the fastest that we have so far. Yeah. So it's I mean, yeah, it's gotta be at least six. So but, that that group is automatically gonna get cover ground put in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> Speaking of which, cover ground is a season one objective. What do you do we have any thoughts on what's gonna happen with uh, all of the universals and everything as we continue to move forward into new seasons so i mean that's a great question the precedent from gw is they don't typically make something that's not playable uh in all their systems they provide rules for out of date i mean heck i got a chaplain on bike that still has an index rule to to play in 40k so typically they don't want to make you know anything obsolete but i think with this type of game it's my opinion that they should refresh it. And the way that I would like to see them refresh is to basically ban all season one cards or like put them in a different type of format. Like, you know, you could play old school shades bar and you could play season one games and stuff like that from a tournament standpoint. But like the, the current season, like you just ban all season one cards, but yet they re-release in a card pack updated, character cards and in faction objectives gambits and stuff like that for the original um, uh, Shadespire, um factions just yeah. to make them more re- relevant like i mean you can make guard relevant again by just a few tweaks of their cards and a few tweaks of their abilities and they would be right back uh into the into the full scale meta so that's what i would like to see one of the things that i think you will see with this new season is um they've already shown with the unbound the power unbound that they're not afraid to put an innate regular attack in there so i think you may see more cards that have that out um because you know the realm of beasts which is gur for those who don't know any age of sigmar lore the realm of beasts is you know very savage and untamed so i think that having it kind of shift back more towards physical combat would be a cool way for them to kind of represent where they're at with the war bands that are going to come out. So, yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Cause night vault was like unleashing yeah. magic. You know, mm-hmm. it, it happened from the Necroquake when like magic got thrown all over the place um, in the age of Sigmar. That's when the night vault opened up. And so then they introduced magic. So yeah, maybe they'll, sh- it'll be a shift back towards kind of aggressive melee. I hope so. I hope so. You know, the last, the image there, the other image that was in there, uh, there's been a lot of chatter that it could be Beastman. I, for one, love Beastman. 
you know, used to have a Beastman AOS army, would love to play them. Like, so if it is Beastman, I'm calling dibs. But I actually think it's like, I want to say they're called Dragon Ogres. It's the like half ogre, half like serpent. Thunder Scorn. The Thunder yeah. Scorn guys. Yeah. Be- because the tree is blocking it out. And it, like, mm-hmm. those are magical beasts. So I, I think it may be one of them. So. Or it could be, be an cool. ogre warband. Could could That's be. That's true. Well, there was the new ogre tyrant model. Mm-hmm. So, which is badass. Yeah, yeah that new so ogre tyrant cool. is sick. <laughs> oh, wait, if that's badass, Dan, if that warband comes out, are you gonna uh, come back and play with us? Uh, might paint it. Oh, oh, I'll take it. I'll take it. Well, what? You know, what's I the point in painting a model? I always love my rats. I know. Yeah, that's true. Why paint if you're not gonna play? What is this like a an artistic hobby or something, Danny? <laughs> Yeah, and I'm not a collector of things at all. It's not in my nature whatsoever. Nope, not at all. <laughs> That's the real reason why you don't want to play Warcry. In all honesty, it, this is going to sound like such a backhanded compliment, but it's not. Like My favorite part of when I was playing Shadespire was just collecting and organizing everything. <laughs> That's so awesome. Happy. I, you know, I, I'm with you, Danny. Like there's, some, There was something very satisfying about putting in yes i've got all of my underworld's cards sleeved and ordered in numerical order yep it felt yeah. so good and like it was honestly when i got home from a night of playing i would just be so excited to just put everything back where it <laughs> that's <laughs> that's so cool uh, well i can do you one better because i have all of the warbands in a single figure case an old school gw figure case so not only are all my cards together, but all of my warbands are in a single case too. For now. For now. Well, yes. <laughs> I'll just have to buy the Crusade XL case in three years after they had six seasons. Underworld's Apocalypse. Perfect. <laughs> well, Put fantastic. boards together. Yes. Do you guys think they're going to introduce any new... I think... When Dreadfane comes out, I think that might be our first taste at like environmental rules. Oh yeah, that's right. I'm wondering if that's maybe something that's new that's added as a different layer for the new season. Because oh, you know, new season two had the magic thrown in, right? That's right. Yep. And season three, could there be more interactivity with just the battlefield itself? Because I feel like that there's sometimes that that's a little bit um, lacking. I know that. It's it's very present now because of because calculated risk exists and so there's way more um, there's way more lethal hexes on the board as it is but I'm wondering if adding in a, an environmental effect might be an interesting way to um, add some new mechanics to the game. It it would make sense with the lore too if it's supposed mm-hmm. to be the realm of peace like the land is supposed to be a beast, right? That's the Yeah, that's it's, like the mountain that they're on is a living mountain, or the mountain yeah. that they're under is a living mm-hmm. mountain. So. That'd yep. be cool to like to have some sort of way to edge your bets that you're going to be playing in the snow or tromping in the mud, and then it affects the game. Mm-hmm. I'd yeah. be down for it. Could be cool. Just another layer we like to our already complicated game. It's super simple. It's like a board game. Yeah, it's super simple, like a board Checkers, game. basically. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. yeah. Well, fantastic, gentlemen. Uh, that will conclude hot dice. They're so hot, I gotta drop them, put them down, and move on to the next segment. Be back in a few seconds. 
And we're back. Uh, welcome to a crack last segment. So in this segment, we're uh, we're going to talk about the uh, recent Warhammer Underworlds tournament that we went through. Um, big Jason, the big winner, got the piece of glass. Whoa! Spoiler alert. I know, right? It's not like it was all over all of our socials because it was super exciting. Um, but before we dive in, not because he posted it three times. Or yeah. <laughs> Yeah, three times they got posted. He's I mean, good at the technologies. Technologies <laughs> win, or I meant to, one or the other. Yeah, either way. Um, but before we dive in, um, I want to give a public apology to Trace. Because I called your shade glass win clubbing baby harp seals. And I feel like that has detracted from the fact that you won glass. And it was probably just purely born out of jealousy and the fact that you have won a tournament. And got glass, and I have not. So, Trace, I'm sorry. You did not <laughs> club baby harp seals to get your shade glass. It, oh, you man. played a real tournament. Wow. You played against real opponents. It's not like you were beating up on three-year-olds or anything. Like, it was a legitimate win, and I'm sorry that I reduced any legitimacy of that win. It's fine. I, I appreciate your apology. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> it's Podcast all... Is now dead. I know it's all about the feels here on on the podcast. I know. Well, trying to trying to balance life, life and games, and I don't I don't want to be a jerk all the time, just some of the time. <laughs> um, Only when he really plays me. <laughs> that's right. So speaking of being a jerk, um, I'm gonna I'll, I'm gonna give my thoughts on kind of my experience for the tournament. And then, Trace, maybe you can give yours, and then we'll turn the floor over to Jason to kind of walk us through his journey and the things yeah. that he went through. So, um, for me, uh, I had two really good rounds and then one uh, less than surprising round. Um, and I have to give credit where credit is due. Um, I just, uh, you know, I'm, I think... I was simultaneously outplayed and made mistakes in my first round game that I lost, um, which is what cost me any chance of getting to the top spot. Um, And it was against a guy that we play with fairly regularly, um, Ike. And uh, historically, games have been severely one-sided when he and I play, um, to my benefit and his his, uh, downfall. And so he uh, he put together a solid Profiteers deck um, and played it well. So, um, you know, good deck design and good piloting on his part that that ended up him topping me out by one point um, for the win. So uh, but it was a good game uh, played well. And then uh, the next two games, you know, I think my deck, the one that Jason and Trace have been uh, railing against, performed as as expected. Um, and so I was able to pull out, um, the next two wins. So I ended up finishing the tournament in second, um, but was, uh, robbed slash rightfully defeated, uh, of the opportunity to get that top table play. Uh, but overall I had fun and, you know, I think we, uh, we've revitalized, um, at least, uh, so Aaron is a, a guy that we played with before and he was thinking about dipping out, but I, you know. We, we played with him and it seemed like he had a great time and he, we hung out after the tournament a little bit and it seems like he's uh, back in back into playing. So he was thinking about getting out, but it looks like he's back in, which is good because the more people to play with, the more opportunities for fun. So, he also, I think he already called out that he was 
glad that he hadn't sold out because of Beast Grave being announced. So yeah, yep. yep. So that's so it's good. So um, you know, you know, winning would have been nice, but I, you know, second place, nothing like being the first loser. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, it's about time Mike stuck it to you. So no, yes. that is it is it was well deserved, and yeah, you could he, also just think of it as being the strongest baby seal. That's oh, true. but. <laughs> I mean the the other the other thing too is I think you got in your own head before yep. so no that's true we talked about that like you Just definitely so. were posting it's kind of like the Nova the Nova lead up so to put in context for the listeners like Jared has not lost with that deck in two months he right. is beat up on Trace beat up on myself beat up on some others and it was kind of the same scenario last year before we went to Nova with his orc deck. Like he had it really dialed in as we were all still trying to find our way in the darkness. And, uh, and this tournament in particular last week, like there was a couple messages during the day of like, Oh, it's on me to win. And you put the pressure all on yourself and not saying that that's totally what did it. Um, but I think you might've gotten your own head there at game one. Yeah. I mean, I think that there was certain, certainly something to that. And, uh, um, but I, you know, it was I, I handled it better uh, than I did, you know, the last major tournament that we played, the the three rounder at Atomic Empire. Like there was never a point where I got on tilt. I think it's because you didn't play Jason. Exactly. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's probably true. Um, I'm, I'm hoping to have graduated from that uh, experience, but we'll see if that plays itself out. Because I think the next big event that I'm that I'll be able to make is is Nova. I don't think I'm going to be able to get it get it to anything major between now and then unless something else pops up locally that 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 I can get to. But it's a you know it's another it's another lesson in um, just paying attention to what I'm doing and trying to figure out what my opponent's doing and lining those two things up. So I'm working on achieving what I can achieve while simultaneously preventing my opponent from playing the game that they want to play. Um, and so I think going forward, there are probably a couple of changes I'm going to make to the deck that are going to help me to do that. Um, but there comes more of the far striders tech. Yeah. Well, we'll oh, see. God. Um, so, so with that, with, uh, with Trace's grumblings, why don't we uh, Trace, Trace how the, how to, how the, how the show go for you? How was the uh, it went fine. Um, first game I played Brandon. Brandon Brandon's deck really fired, and mine did not fire. Um, part of that had to do with one really bad misplay on my part with Stormsire. I played Curse Breakers, by the way, um, and I, he also played. No, he played Yltharis um, Guardians against me, um, but. Probably should have ditched my first hand. Um, and my one real critical error with movement with Stormsire really just stalled my deck. And I was able to kind of clamber back, but not enough to win the game. Ended up losing it 13 to 8. And um, and that was because I just, I just misplayed. So Brandon played a really good game, and I did not. And so I lost, and I handled that fine. Won my second game. Um, played against a new guy in our group named Steven. 
my deck did fire off that game. Um, had a really good critical turn um, and a power step right before my activation where I used um, Hidden Paths and got over and ready for action and killed a fighter and then um, in my next activation was able to take another fighter out, which was nice. Um, so that was a nice, smooth transition and he was like, that was brutal. <laughs> I was like, yeah. And it was a it was a mirror match. It was Stormsire versus Stormsire. So, um, two fighters down on a storm on a Stormsire deck is hard to come back from. Yeah. Um. And then my third game, I actually played Aaron, and Aaron played a really good game. Um. Real cagey. Uh. I made some. Not, I didn't make mistakes. I, I made some conscious efforts to try and just do some things that I knew weren't probably going to end up very well for me, um, but just took some risks anyway. Ended up losing that one, I think, by two. Um, can't remember exactly what it was, but um, but Aaron played a really great game, and I had a great time. Um, I came in fifth overall. Um, but yeah, I'm... He played Chosen Axes for and listeners. yeah, and uh, Aaron played Chosen Axes. Which Chosen Axes, if Grimnir can get close to you, he just starts doming a Stormcast a turn. That's just kind of how he rolls. Um, and he he did that. There was now there was one activation where Aaron came in with Grimnir, attacked, whiffed, and then he ready for or yeah ready for action, whiffed, and then he used his in-faction reroll card and whiffed and got it that third time. So if that had nice. gone through, I might have actually been able to get rid of Grimnir, um, but that did not play the way that I thought it would. And I had some classic trace moments where I really whiffed on my dice hard some of the games, but I didn't really. Tr- I tried to not focus on that the whole day because that's just what can get me turned out and tilted as jared likes to say so i've been trying to not focus on that as much um and that is why the gw gods blessed me with the hand of sigmar card and <laughs> that is one reason why i may take um storm sires to nova um it's kind of up in the air for me right now between them Molog, and profiteers so okay but overall, great experience for me. All right, Jason. Give us the rundown, buddy. Oh, it's my turn. So uh, first off, you know, we talk, we spoke earlier about community building and the opening intro. Um, and I just want to say, you know, thank you to everybody, like, that came out and played. Like, because I was going out, out of the three worst games that I've played with Godsworn Hunt going into this tournament. So... Uh, it wasn't looking good for me. Did make a few adjustments to the deck, which I think helped, um, but it helped more mentally than it did actually on the tabletop. It just got me away from my favorite card in Peerless Fighter. Uh, so it allowed me to focus more on that. Uh, and then really to the Raleigh community in general, uh, it is it is really amazing to see the community growing and then you know, players like Ike and Jeffrey who have totally grabbed onto the game and you see them developing decks now and they're playing the table 
has like has come leaps and bounds from when they started. Uh, just really, really surprising uh, to see them how fast they've moved through the learnings that took us like two years um, to get caught up. And and really, when you sit down at the table to play anybody in kind of the local meta, it's it, I really feel like it's everyone anyone's game because that's how how much the the community has come along. So thanks to all the the sparring partners and and all that stuff. So with that, uh, you know, I took Godsworn Hunt to the tournament. Uh, Godsworn Hunt have done done well for me previously at the last tournament up at Atomic. Made it to the the top table in the third round, um, but. I did not have a lot of confidence, as I just mentioned, going into this past Tuesday's games. My first round opponent was against Steven. Uh, he's a newer player. I did play him the Saturday before uh, where we tied, and he was playing uh, Stormcast. But with the adjustments to the deck and my first hand draws, I, I knew that this was my game. Like We could get off to a really, really good start. So... I think I lost boards uh, on this one. Uh, yeah, and I presented a board I don't normally present. Um, but it has dam- damage ha- dam- damage hexes. Holy cow, I can talk. It's good. <laughs> Words are good. Um, churches. <laughs> I forget the name of the board, but their damage hexes are spread out. Uh, but I do start with two fighters on the left. And uh, he kind of deployed aggressively. So he, he you know, wide placement he uh was within striking distance and when i drew up the the five cards i had one one of my objectives was um change of tactics the other objective was the new score instantly for two glory if i take out a four wound fighter really good against stormcasts yep uh and then my power hand was spoils of battle and i had great strength uh, and I think I had the crown, um, but then I also had twist the knife and I also had inspire inspiration, not inspiration strikes, uh, inspired attack, which is plus one dice plus one damage. If the fighter is inspired on your next attack action. So right away I'm like, Holy cow. Like I can inspire a fighter. I also had ready for action. Um, so we were sitting pretty with, with, those right yeah um and then so at first activation i go on guard and i kind of put uh shondo hondo way out there as my dangle bro uh he took he won roll but then he took first turn which him being a new player was probably his only misstep uh of the game and then the following action so he charges in shondo hondo with uh the stormcast that has knockback one and uh, so he hits, he does two damage, and then he tries to drive Shondo back into a damage hex, not knowing that whatever way you drive them is the continuous pattern that they have to go for the knockback. Um, so he wasn't able to take out Shondo because you kind of had to go, you know, diagonal and then zig back the other way. Um, I told him, like, I'm a, I was like, hey, Steven, if you want to reset, go ahead and reset. And he goes, no, we'll leave it. Um, so then I go on guard, he comes in again, uh, he attacks, uh, with Stormsire this time 
with his spell attack action and actually takes Shonda out. So he does score, and then Stormsire uh, inspires Solomon Great. Now he's he's kind of already juiced up. But anyway, I play uh, Spoils of Battle, Great Strength, Charge In, um, good old one die, Grundin, on Stormsire. So this is the, the second activation, and I'm going right for Big Daddy Spellcaster. Uh, and I fail. So it's not often that I roll just two dice, but I knew that I needed to do that. Um, and the attack action fails. But luckily, on the way in, I score change of tactics. So quick equip him with, I, I want to say it was it might have been Challenge Seeker. I can't remember the upgrade that went on him, but it was the other upgrade in my hand. Ready for action, and this time rolling three dice. Um, it goes through, takes him out. Uh, which then scores me the the two glory for worthy deed or whatever that objective's called, where you score two for taking out four, um, and we're off to the races. Uh, you know, after that, he you know charges in, tries to take out another fighter, um, but that but at that time having out having one of his guys charge and having uh, storm the storm daddy out, uh, I kind of have control of the game. I do take out um, another fighter, and he's left with with one at the top of turn, like top of turns two, going into two, and then I have a choice because my leader has got uh, an upgrade that can do cleave, and I have what's armor uh, in my hand, and it's like, do I just plink damage him for one or two and try to score this? Uh, and I did like I went after scoring as much glory as I possibly could thinking as to approach it from a grand clash style event where glory differential counts. Uh, and that was probably my own misstep. Cause at that time, I think the game was something like it was either six to two or eight to three. I can't remember. Um, but I had it in hand and if I just take them out, you know, I, I kind of coast to victory. Um, I do hit and I do score my objectives, but then it, I really showed how easy Stormcast can kind of spin up on passive glory and, and spell generations and stuff like that. And next thing I know, he, he he's up to, to eight glory. Um, and I'm like, holy cow, like I just got to take it out. But I, I do, I charge in at the bottom of, of the fourth activation of the second turn and, and take him out. Um, and you go on to win the game, but, uh, it definitely was closer. I took the game 16-10. It was closer than what I had thought, and definitely closer than when you take out two Stormcasts in turn one that the game should be. Um, but Steven enjoyed it. I think he learned a lot through the game. I learned a lot through the game, uh, and it was a good way to, to start the day. Um, that means that I did, not, I did not get top glory, so I thought I was going to pare down um, and have to go against Ike. Um, but I did not, I uh, ended up by having to go against Brandon cause we both like him, uh, winning his game and, and I, we were both in the middle of that bracket and, uh, Brandon was playing guardians as Trace alluded to earlier and I was not confident at all. So Brandon is a very good player. Uh, he was really, really good in season one, um, with orcs and kind of bounced around between faction and faction here in season two. But I don't like to play Guardians. But I do have to thank Jared because I knew kind of what Guardians were going to do. 
Uh, and I had a game plan. So the other thing of this whole night is the first time in a long time going into play where I had an exact game plan of how I wanted to play. Um, and I stuck to it no matter what. And that was evident in this game because in this game he sets up, he sets up kind of passively and then I, I lose boards again and I set up, uh, with the molten lava board, the three hexes together in the corner, we kind of like are diagonal. So that means I'm pushed back as well. Um, but he tries to dangle bro in with the archer. I forget her name. Onslane. Is that her name? That's her name. So he charges in turn one and I know what he's doing. He's just setting up, um, to get Yathari, uh, someone to charge into and then start popping spells and, and, uh, and building glory. Um, but he does score, uh, I believe martyred as he or not mar um, calculated risk as he comes in, he hits Sean next turn, hits Sean again. And I legitimately, I'm like, I am not moving. I'm not falling for this. I am drawing cards. So all first turn first three at the first three actions, I drew cards. Wow. Get, yeah, it was That's patience, man. It, it was, it was. And then on the fourth activation, I actually was like, I'm going to charge Dagger Throw in because I had um, I had the were the the kill two. Uh, oh, I did ditch objectives to turn one because just one time. But I had like the worthy kill where it's like two glory for killing someone with four wounds. And I didn't know what he was going to do uh, with um, what's the what's his Gallon face? Hand. Gallonhan, because he brings him up. Um, like I would definitely go for him. Um, and then I also had the objective where if I miss, or no, it wasn't where I miss. It was branching fate. So on three dice, if they're all different, I can score a glory. Um, and then I had victory after victory. Well, I ditched victory after victory during that round, and drew into. Um, where if I miss, I can score a victory point. So at this point, I have two cards that I can score on that fourth activation if I charge in uh, and swing. Like either I'm going to be able to hit him for two damage and kill him, I'm going to miss and get a glory, or I'm going to roll three dice and get three different symbols and get a glory. So that was my plan. I'm like, you know what, I'm going to do it. And just as I was about to like move the fighter, I looked at the board, and if I had brought her in, Yuthari could have charged in, attacked with the magic, and like then she would have been in range of all the other magical powers that he could have unleashed. So I said nope, and I drew another power card. So that wow. means at the end, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so at the end of of the first turn, I did absolutely nothing except draw cards. He managed to inspire three fighters uh, and burn in a burn an objective and he had one or two glory going into two. Um, so at this point it's like, okay, what, what are you doing? So we roll off for two and, um, I lose the roll and he makes me go first. And at this point I'm, I'm like, I'm committed. I'm like, what? I don't, I don't know what to do. Um, so I finally ditch, uh, worthy deed um, and like draw into something else. And I can't remember exactly what it is. I want to say it's 
combination strike or something like that. Um, uh, no, I think it was escalation. Uh, so I draw and I say, okay, your turn. And he like, he then draws. So I got, and at this point I'm like, I just have to make a move. So it's the second activation of turn two that I, um, charge in Jagger throw because at that time, like I'm either going to kill the fighter. I am going to miss, or I'm going to get branching fate. I feel really, really confident. And I had drawn into crown. So, um, I'm like, screw it. I, I have to make a move. I charge in, she misses. And <laughs> I'm like, okay, that's a glory. That's fine. I did not roll like all night long with branching fate. I literally rolled like one support, a hammer and a hammer. It was <laughs> branching. Fate was not branching for me. Um, so whatever, I get the glory, I put the crown on, and that's fine. Like, we're we're now in business. There's a fighter up there that he has to come in and attack and start sucking him in. And, uh, and I have a glory, and if she gets killed, then I just take a glory right back. Uh, and that's exactly what happens. He charges in with um, Galahan, which I thought he'd charge in with Yuthari. He does not. He charges in with Galahan, kills Jaggerthrub, but then he scores killing somebody on a charge. So we're basically, like, it's either 3-2 to two or 2-2. Two two. Um, but now that allows me to upgrade Olo, move him in, score what's armored, finally get one to go through on his archer, push him back into a damage hex, um, get another glory. And now I'm feeling good. Like it's starting to, to come along. Um, and then I forget what happens in turn in the fourth turn. I might've, might've drew a card or something like that. And basically what I didn't think was going to happen during the round is I was able to score two objectives and get enough glory to, to get escalation and um, combination strike. So going into three, I was feeling really good. Like, yeah, it was still close. It might've been six, five or something like that. Um, but I was feeling good. And then the last turn, um, he makes me go first again. I charge in with the dog to score calculated risk. Uh, on Yuthari, because on the last action of his turn, he brought Yuthari up trying to cast um, and failed. I charge in with the dog. The dog actually hits on two dice uh, and does a wound to her as he like fails his saves. <laughs> so then I push her back. Um, and then the next turn, she turns around and tries to shoot the dog who only has one wound left, and the dog rebounds. So... <laughs> So rebound goes off, and that's three wounds onto her. Now he had he did put an upgrade, so she had uh, more wounds there. But now she's definitely hurting. Uh, and you know the next turn, I play haymaker, charge in with Shondo Hondo, who's still surviving from turn one. Take out Yathari, and that as soon as I took out Yathari, um, that was kind of it. Um, the other thing that I will mention by playing such a passive game on turn one was he threw out a lot of immediately scoring on spells, um, trying to cycle through to get his glory going so you get upgrade fighters. So really, in the end, kind of turned out that, like, turned out well. Like, he came in and killed Sean, but then I charged back and, and killed with, with Rundin or somebody, and we basically take, take blows. Uh, and then the last activation, he charges in with Galahan, trying to take out somebody, but uh, my fighters are in a supporting position. Um, and we save and next thing I know I'm winning 
uh, 12-10. So it was a really, really close game, but sticking to that strategy and crown, because I stole that glory for him. That's a two-glory swing, and yep. that kind of netted the game for me. Um, that's a lot of fun. crown of avarice for those who don't know, because that's just... You you just said crown through most of it, so maybe most some some people might not know exactly what that card is. It's called Crown of Avarice, and what it does is if you kill a fighter, basically it allows you to when that fighter dies, it allows you to take a glory from your opponent, including the glory that they may have just gained for killing you. So, yeah, yeah, thank you. Um, that game was by far like what I like. I'm like, oh goodness gracious, triple, and I'm not good against triple, but it really it solidified if I if you have a plan and you know your deck can execute that plan, just continue to run that plan until the time is right. Uh, and it w- worked out for me. So then game three, I go to top table uh, against Ike and his, uh, his Sky Dwarfs. And I, I was a little concerned because I had played Sky Dwarfs the weekend before and got toasted and roasted. Um, and then more importantly, he took out Jared. Like, and I hadn't beat Jared in months, so I was like, I don't know. Uh, deployments were kind of the same. I used the same board uh, with the, the three damage hexes and offset. Uh, and then I just sat and waited again. Like, okay, what are you going to do? So he charges in with the only Sky Dwarf that means nothing, the little guy with the sword and pistol. Yep. Uh, and he puts him in a position trying to suck me in and... We legitimately, between him and Olo, like just slap fists for the whole first turn. Like it's like I, I need to hit. He needs to hit. Like we're just slapping back and forth, uh, drawing some cards here or there. But really, after turn one, everyone's still on the board and and nothing's really achieved. Um, but he he attacked every single turn, trying to to score something. Um, and it just didn't work out for him. He did move up some fighters as well. Um, but all in all, the, the, the play, the state of the game was like one, nothing me, uh, after one. Uh, and then I drew into like kind of the, the draws that, you know, that I needed. I had a combination strike and branching fate. Uh, I had, um, I also drew in like second turn in some way, shape or form, uh, martyred came up there. I think it was after I shot once and missed. I drew in a martyred. So I killed the dog. Poor dog just ran into some lethal hexes on turn two and and died. And that was Gosh. able to get <laughs> poor guy. Poor dog. Uh, able to get more glory and kind of and kind of soup up. Uh, and then you know, finally killed that one fighter. Ike started to move hit the rest of his team forward. And there was one, I can't remember what fighter it was. He goes to four wounds. It might be the guy that does cleave with like the Thunderbuster, or it might have been the Gatling Cannon one. I can't, I think it was the guy that does cleave because he does two damage with that attack. Um, he charges in and tries to take out Jagathra on, on the side, right? And rebound, rebound goes off. Um, does two damage. He illusionary fighters him back. So now once again, he's like way withdrawn back into his lines. Um, but rebound saved my Heine there. Um, and then later on in turn three, he charges in with somebody else hits kills. He's going to get headshot and all this other stuff. Uh, and then I dark destiny out of that. So 
some definite fortunate defensive roles for me in in turn in the game in the third game. Um, but really, I think my stall tactic in turn one kind of threw Ike off as he didn't have a lot of opportunity to do what he needed to do. Uh, and in the end, the game was 16 to two. So um, <clears throat> definitely took control in, in turn three and uh, the deck finished out finished out strong. So that's awesome, man. Yeah, so it sounds like uh, maybe kind of pulling pulling the aggro lever down a little on your deck has paid off. Sounds like yeah. some money to learn. Yeah, <laughs> it just it was a it lot, helped. a lot of patience, and then not having not having to save those cards to try to fire on Peerless Fighter. Like even though if Peerless Fighter wasn't in my hand, you know I want to score it, so I'm waiting and waiting for that to kind of come to fruition and being able to utilize all the cards at the time they need yeah. was a benefit. So uh, that's, that makes sense. Well, cool. Well, congratulations again. Thank um, you. So 50% of us have one glass. So I don't know. Could be me. Could it's be actually Danny. 66%. It's actually 66% cause Danny's never going to want to try and win glass. Yeah. I've, I, I've won the paddle twice. I played yeah, in two you tournaments have. and came in dead last in both. So beat uh, that, Jason. I hey, my name is on the paddle. That's it's just right. not twice. I, I'm actually <laughs> the only that. one that doesn't have a trophy. I've never signed the paddle, never won glass. Hey, it's not a bad place to be. Middle of the road. Danny's least favorite place. <laughs> so uh so with that, uh, I think that'll round out our crack glass segment. Uh coming up next. Uh, Jason and Trace had the chance to talk to Brandon Huss, who is a friend of Trace's, who went to the ATC um, and played in the Underworlds team tournament. So we'll get to hear about those experiences. And then uh, once that concludes, we'll uh, come back and wrap up the show. Welcome back. Um, So we're honored to have one of my good friends that I grew up playing games with, um, Brandon Huss. Uh, He agreed to come on and kind of give us some experiences of his recent trip to the ATC and the Team Underworlds Championship out that way. Um, Brandon and I actually uh, played games together a long time ago whenever I was, what, 12, 13 maybe? Uh, yeah, like that, that? that sounds about right. Um, what is that, like 50 years ago? I know, right? Yeah, yeah, I definitely. It was, uh, yeah, it was, Kelly, that was in the, that was in the 90s. It was in the 90s, which is almost 30 years ago now. <laughs> I, I, I mean, sure, I, I try not to make myself sound that old, but yeah, that, that sounds about right. <laughs> um, it, was, it was late 90s. Um, we're not that old. But the <laughs> 90s is almost 30 years ago now, which is crazy. Um, but um, really happy that you decided to, you know, accept our invitation and come on and talk and chat with us a little bit. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit how you got into miniature wargaming? Um, well, I first of all, I want to thank you for having me on. I, this is this is actually um, being on a podcast was kind of a life goal of mine ever since I started listening to them. So <laughs> I was very flattered to be asked. And I know that sounds incredibly sad and nerdy, but I don't care. Um, so, uh, but um, I um, my first intro into miniature gaming 
was like a lot of other players. Um, and it started with uh, Hero Quest. Yep. Um, nice. And that was my entry drug um, or gateway drug. Um, and uh, tried to paint the miniatures with Tester's oil based paints. Um, and, How'd that work out? Oh, it was a disaster. But uh, man, I thought I was good. Um, and. Uh, and then did a little bit of that. Uh, my friend and Hank and uh, Trace, you know uh, Hank. Um, yep. He uh, he was one of my teammates at the event, um, and uh, he had Battle Masters was another game mm-hmm. uh, that we played. Um, and then um, uh, went to my first year at East Carolina, um, and was introduced to Warhammer, um, and made the connection finally that games workshop had something to do with both hero quest and, uh, battle masters. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, and then came home for my first summer break and Hank, Hank and I got together and said, have you heard of Warhammer? And we're like, Oh my gosh. And, and so it, it took off from there. Um, my first fantasy army was Skaven. Um, I remember and, those Skaven. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. They were, God, they died in droves. You um, love to roll your misfires. I just remember oh, that. Yes. Yes. The, as Hank would put it, the Brandon Huss school of artillery. Yep. All we did was misfire. Yep. Um, and, and I, and I think it's uh, poetic justice that the club that I'm in down here in Columbia is called the misfires. <laughs> and I, and I actually did not name them. They were already named. Oh wow. And, and I, just thought this is fate i am supposed to be in this club um (laughs) so uh and then uh so yeah just kind of played off and on and then actually started getting into more competitive war gaming still playing fantasy warhammer fantasy seventh and eighth edition um and started doing some tournaments up in kentucky where we lived and then moved down here got connected with the misfires played um uh, eighth edition until it kind of died and then did some ninth age and um and then underworlds came around and when i first saw it i thought this is mordeheim mm. um and i couldn't be more wrong but i was <laughs> also very happy to be wrong because it's so different and um and such a fun game to play and um and then, uh, so just been going from there. So ever since the first box came out, I must have got, I got it for my birthday. It came out in September and my birthday's in September mm-hmm. and got Shadespire then and, uh, haven't looked back. That's awesome. Yeah. It's kind of similar to most of the paths that we kind of went down to. Um, so what's so your, just, go ahead. Just, Jason. uh, real quick. It's funny that, you know, you mentioned hero quest and, and, and uh, Battle Masters, both of which I still own. And if you follow our Facebook, the oh, pictures oh, of yeah. those yeah, are on awesome. there. Yes. Um, yes. But you know, yeah. but GW gets a lot of flack, or I shouldn't say flack, but people question why they put out, you know, Blitz Bowl and that Space Marine Necron game that's in Barnes and Noble, and like all these like board mm-hmm. games that have been released. And really, when you look at our group, or at least the people I come across, we all kind of have a similar path into that GW planting the seeds of of young kids so i don't you know between the games are coming out with the board games and the the graphic novels or the short um youtube type things that are animated for the kids like 
they know what they're doing to plant these seeds, man. They get us all hooked at a young age. Yeah, I, I totally, you know, and I hadn't made that um, connection until recently that um, the the box games are really how they get people into it because mm-hmm. they, they're new miniatures. It's a different way to play. Um, they, um, they're sold in a, a broader variety of stores. And so um, it just gives them a lot more exposure. Um, and, but yeah, you're absolutely right. I, uh, it's, we all got in it kind of the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's cool. So, um, do you have a favorite faction in Underworld? Um, so, um, given that, um, Skaven were my first fantasy army, I really thought that Skaven were going to be my favorite faction. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually my favorite faction is, uh, Sepulchral Guard. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately in season two, they're, they're not as competitive as they used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, um, you know, and I took them up to the event that you hosted up in, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Atomic Empire and, um, and, and actually did pretty well with them. I was actually surprised, but yeah, you um, did, you did do so well until Megor uh, decided to show up. Um, <laughs> well, I guess it was Jimmy that decided to show up and you know, that, that always, he tends to melt piece of people's faces when um, he starts rolling dice, but, mm-hmm. um, but, uh, um, but yeah, it was, um, I still really enjoy him because I just like the, the depth um, and the, uh, uh, the, um, how just um, the strategy involved in playing that kind of war band. Um, uh, but um, so I, I played, um, uh, here recently, I've been playing Skaven again. It was, uh, I cannot remember the name of that um, blogger, but. Um, it's uh, Wigglehammer. Wigglehammer. Yeah. Yeah. Wigglehammer had, a, I can't remember his actual handle. It's like mad something. I can't remember. Uh, but anyway, he had the uh, kind of unorthodox um, Skaven deck. Um, and I think Battle Battlecast, maybe, on mm-hmm. YouTube had it about it um and started playing that yesterday and made a couple changes and just like wow thank you i'm i now have a new respect for skaven yeah and if for all the listeners out there if you haven't checked it out it's a festering and hung festering and hungering skavens kind of like list based off them it was uh kind of like a reddit discord creation between mad skills and wigglefish um I've definitely definitely looked at it. I think that I will be trying it out um, just for fun because it it's a completely off meta kind of kill yourself and take people with mm-hmm. you style of play. Yeah, and if you read through um, Wigglehammer's blog about it, it I mean it makes and I guess Mad Skills. Thank you for mentioning his uh, his handle, but um, explaining how to use it and just how, okay, well, you're going to suicide your guys mm-hmm. and you're going to earn glory off of it. Um, and, and then the, really the thing that got me was, Oh, hungering Skaven, even though I have an adjacent friendly fighter, as long as that friendly fighter has crown of avarice, I'm getting that glory. Yay mm-hmm. me. <laughs> um, and, and when I read that, I was like, Oh my gosh, that is I love this. I'm going to have to play it. Um, so that's awesome. Um, so why don't you give us a little bit of what you really enjoyed about going to the ATC and you recently went to the ATC underworlds team tournament and, um, 
what did you think about the event and kind of overall experiences? Well, um, and uh, I'll start by giving just a little bit of background into um, when, uh, as far as the event goes and kind of planning for it. But um, the uh, when I saw that they were having it and it was it's not a short drive, but it's relatively close for such a large, large event. I thought, mm-hmm. OK, this is this is going to be my summer event. Um, and um, and it was a team tournament, which is, had never been done in the U.S., um, and correct me if I'm wrong, isn't this the first time that this particular team format's been used in a Grand Clash? As far as I know, yeah. Yeah, as far I believe they may there may have been another event in Europe, but I don't know if it was a Grand Clash. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they the ATC is definitely unique. It's in the 40k world, you have the ATC and the ETC, which are very similar formats. So right, right, yeah. Um, and um, so I I got to work with. Uh, um, originally it was my friend Hank, um, who, who ended up going to the event and I had a friend Jeff up here who really liked, who got Molog and really wanted to play Molog. And, um, I'm like, okay, that's great. And so, um, the, uh, well, it ended up that Jeff could not attend because his wife was there. They're expecting their uh, third child, uh, within the next couple of weeks. And she was having some complications, complications. So she could not go or he could not attend. Um, so my backup ended up being my 12 year old son, Taylor, um, (laughs) whom I, he and I play a lot. Um, and I get the most practice from him, um, just because he, he really enjoys the game. He's, um, it's, it's kind of bordering on an unhealthy obsession uh, (laughs) for him. And, uh, I mean, it's already, yeah, 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 it was, yeah. Uh, and, and, um, what's funny is my wife did not want me to get them into the miniature war game. And I said, look, they're my kids. They're going to be nerds. You're just going to have to deal with it. Um, <laughs> cause I have a 10 year old son as well. Uh, but, uh, so it ended up that, um, my team was Hank and my son Taylor and myself. Um, and then, um, thinking about the event, um, the, um, since it is a team format, um, uh, obviously you kind of have to look at it. Uh, you, you can't have the same cards across all three war bands in the team, which limits your ability to um, take those, you know, only one person can have ready for action. Only one person can have my turn. Um, and so you really have to kind of think, all right, how, um, which war bands need which uh, ploys or upgrades the most or which objectives the most. Um, and, uh, and, and so, uh, in planning for it, Hank really wanted to take chosen axes. And, and I said, are you sure you don't want to take profiteers? <laughs> are you, I mean, are you really sure you want to take chosen axes? And, um, and he was like, yeah, you know, I've got a really good deck form, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, okay, that's fine. So, um, and I didn't get a chance to practice with him because obviously he's in North Carolina, I'm in South Carolina, but, um, but then uh, my son and I, um, we we practiced and um, and then thinking about what what factions people were going to bring, I thought, okay, it's probably going to come down to about four different factions. It's going to be Molog, Curse Breakers, Guardians, and and Thorns, and maybe mm. um, maybe the uh, 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 I've, I've lost it. Uh, maybe the Profiteers in there. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and so I thought, all right, so you're going to have one war band cause you just breaking them up. You're going to have one war band that's aggro and that's probably going to be monologue. You're going to have one that's going to be magic based or objective based. And you're going to have one that's going to be more defensive or passive. Um, and so with Hank taking the, uh, curse or excuse me the uh, chosen axis he was kind of running a somewhat little bit aggro but also sort of passive deck um and so i thought well i'm going to take my log and be aggressive my son taylor really wanted to play gets mm-hmm. and and i'm like okay that's fine go ahead and play gets um so who's i mean because what what's father of a 12 year old wants to tell their kid they can't take their favorite army or favorite warband to an event right 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 <laughs> so um so um and so he taylor and i got a lot of games in um i also played some with the curse breakers um to give him a little bit of practice but also myself because originally i thought i was going to take curse breakers um and uh and so that that's basically how, how we prepared and when we went um we went with the notion because the original format was uh each the the you're going to have five rounds in the first day. And then on the second day, there were going to be four more rounds the next on Sunday, but it was only going to be uh, the top 16 teams. So originally I thought, okay, we're not going to make it to the second day. <laughs> um, because I know that Amon and Jonathan Davis from Path of Glory are going to come and there's going to be some other guys coming that are really good. We're not going to make it to the second day. Um, so, um, uh, with that in mind, I was like, okay, we're just going to go and we're going to, we're going to have a good time. And, um, so, uh, so that, that's pretty much, I mean, like I said, I got a lot of games in with monologue to get some practice. Uh, and then, um, uh, and then we just, we did a couple of games Thursday night and then that was pretty much it. So, well, cool. So just to expand on the, the team. So like you mentioned, everyone selects a war band and then, you can have no repeat cards in the, your entire three-player team. But mm-hmm. when you actually go, isn't there some sort of, like, pairings? Like, you play 1v1. It's not, like, three against three, yes. right? Yes, that is correct. Yeah. Um, so um, the way each match works is each team has a team captain. Um, and when the teams are paired off, the captains do a roll-off, just a standard four-dice roll-off. Whoever wins that roll-off has the option to choose the first pairing or the second pairing. Um, And so generally, who wins the roll-off is going to make the first pairing. Um, And uh, and so whatever, and basically the only things you're giving away at that point are what warbands are in your team. Um, And that captain who's going to make that choice is trying to make that favorable, favorable matchup. Um, and, um, and then whoever makes, uh, so whoever makes the second matchup matches up the next two players for a match. And then the, the last two obviously get matched up together. Um, so that's, that's kind of how that works. Um, and obviously, like I said, the goal is to get favorable matchups that way. Okay. Awesome. Cool. Go ahead, Jason. Like what, um, yeah, what was uh so just run me through like a game like you know, Molog gets in chosen axes. If I was going to the event, um those be like off metas, kinda of like obviously Molog and uh you know, I don't know if you're ready for the tomes build, but 
like mm-hmm. most people would think that that silly troll would be aggro mm-hmm. but uh like you know what were tough matchups like who what do you pair against gets like gets gives up a lot of glory because they're so squishy like how what would your son play against like what was his matchups um well so um i want to go back to my previous statement of I had already decided that we weren't going to make it to day two. So my goal was to have fun. <laughs> okay. So, um, and, and also let me, let me throw in here that the, um, there were only 12 teams that attended the, the, the event. Um, so, um, and it was run by GW. Um, th- there was a guy named James Monk who was from the events department and he, he was the TO. Um, and the, um, so what was decided, uh, he met with the captains, um, and what was decided was that since there was only 12 teams, um, he proposed that we only do five rounds and just do the whole tournament on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And so it'll be four rounds, four, uh, and then the final round, the fifth round, would be the championship. And we were all like, okay, sure, that sounds great, um, because otherwise we would just go and do – all of us would go to the second day and that's that's probably not a good uh method given the low number of teams um so as far as pairing up goes um and this is this is the part of the tournament that i really struggled with because i know you guys are really into 40k um you've and and you've probably been to atc or you're familiar with that format but i'm just not this is my first team tournament event Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, and so really at that point I was just going on basic, like understanding of, all right, well, Moloch's probably going to be aggro unless they're running the deck from the, the most recent grand clash. Um, uh, and then, um, and so I was just thinking who is going to get the most glory based on the decks that are being taken. Um, mm-hmm. so originally I thought, well, I, I thought the chosen axes would would probably be able to kill Molog pretty early on as long as they can kind of hang back and get some passive glory. Yeah, that didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> and um it's pretty quick troll man. Up, He's pretty quick. Yeah, he, he is, but the the other part of it is that um Hank uh, as you know Trace, he is a very intelligent man. Oh, super intelligent, um, yeah. Yeah, and he he is really good um thinking two, three turns ahead and, and all that, but he really just didn't have the reps in with a variety yeah. of war bands to really get a good sense of how to deal with Molog or other uh, factions. Um, and then with my son Taylor, um, he was running a bit of an aggro build, which is kind of weird, mm-hmm. um, but he had some shade glass weapons in there and um, and he, he was, he was really determined to, to get obliterated every game. <laughs> I like uh, it. Cause he just is like, I just, I just love killing him with a fanatic. I'm like, okay, that's fine. You, you do what you want to do. You do you, man. You exactly. Do you, and, uh, what's really funny is his favorite move is to keep, keep snark uninspired charge in the first activation of his, and and roll a sword or a crit and kill a three wound fighter with his regular attack and then inspire him. Mm-hmm. 
And so he just, uh, and when he does it to me, he just, he just chuckles and goes, wasn't that awesome? I'm like, yeah, it was great. So. It's, it's so cool. Thanks. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's, it's super yeah. cool until somebody rebounds him, but hey. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. Yes. That's an excellent point. Yeah. So. Um, but that's awesome that he, that, I mean, he's got his little, his little signature calling card. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Well, cool. I, what was, I mean being the the hammer of of the team anything that you struggled against um well um i will say that um and looking back at my notes um the um the our first match um was against um some guys from nashville i believe um oh and and also let me throw in here every team and every player that we had a match against was was just very sportsmanlike and and polite um, and um, and actually I mean and well spoken um, and uh, and so I was just I really appreciated the fact that I did not have a bad experience with any opponent that I played. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, and 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 I know, and you guys know this. You can't say that for other bigger games. Um, um I've. Yes, for the games that take place in the Grim Dark universe, probably not. Um, right. Yes, I've actually had very positive play experiences with all of my games that I've ever played with Age of Sigmar. So, yes, uh, I think it's yes. just that old fan. You, I mean, you remember like the fantasy crowd, like it, you were a total hobbyist, right? It was a. Yes. Uh, you know, you were a painter, you were a converter, you you took pride in your army, and you wanted to make sure that it looked good, and you were a good sport. Like, it was just part of the whole the whole package for that for that group of players. And I think a lot of that translated over to Age of Sigmar, and so it's still that I, I, I view it as a higher a higher class of player. Um, yeah. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think a lot, a lot of it has to do with just the amount of player base. I think that yeah. underworld yeah. players are very conscious that we're still an up and coming game, and mm-hmm. you know because of the reset on fantasy, Age of Sigmar players are definitely like it's an up and coming game now. Age of Sigmar is obviously ten times bigger than Underworlds, but yeah. but like we're more conscious of the experience of sitting across the table from someone is important to grow our game. Whereas in 40 K you go to any local shop here in Raleigh on a Tuesday or Thursday and there's 30 people playing. So right. Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. It doesn't require the, the cultivation that it takes for the newer games. Like, like Jason said, like age of Sigmar and, and underworlds. Yes, I, I definitely agree with that. And, and I will say too, that, um, I think there are, and, and I don't know how much of it has to do with just, the the kind of person that's sort of attracted to that genre maybe mm-hmm. um the postmodern genre as opposed to the fantasy genre mm-hmm. um whereas the fantasy genre has their roots in in lord of the rings and D. Uh, yes yes exactly exactly um so i mean how many times did people flip tables in D? I mean yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, not many times. Yeah, <laughs> if you yeah. did, it was just the rocks fall, everyone dies moment. So yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so um, but um, I'll say to answer your question, Jason, the 
Um, I played a total of nine games in four matches, and I lost one. Um, and that was to a Thorns player. Um, and that was in our first match. Um, his name was Clay. Um, and because I won the first game 16 to 12, um, lost the second game 9 to 10, and then won the next game 19 to 5. Someone inspired you, didn't he? Uh, he he killed him. He killed Molog, actually. Oh wow! Um, part of it was dice, but the other, uh, but but really, he just he just outplayed me. Um, he he got some he got supremacy in the first action phase, mm-hmm. um, and was able to upgrade his fighters. Um, and then he had a couple of other like tactical supremacies that he got. Um, so and ended up killing Molog with the Briar Queen, and. That was kind of, I think that was the end of the second action phase, if I remember correctly. Um, and so that was that. Um, and uh, But I had plenty of glory uh, to start with that he had to kind of catch up um, in yeah. that second game. So, um, yeah. But the rest of my games I played against, uh, second match I played against Godsworn. Um, the third match I played against Eyes of the Nine. Um, and I mainly decided to take Eyes of the Nine in that one because I did not feel like because Hank had not played the Eyes of, against Eyes of the Nine at all. Yeah. Um, Taylor had more of an understanding of what they would do, um, but I was more afraid that um, uh, he was going to the teleporting and other things would would throw him off. Um, so uh, uh, so I took that match um, and then. In the final match, I played against Skaven, and I think that was the um, that was that that deck similar to the one on uh, Wigglehammer, the Murder Hobo deck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the the festering, hungering deck. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but unfortunately for my opponent, my dice were pretty hot both games, and I just kept killing guys. And when I was inspired. Um, I, I would be next to two or three fighters. I'm like, well, I'm going to world attack you. Um, and just kept doing that until they're dead. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so yeah, that was about it. So. Well, that's awesome. My favorite thing to do with that world attack, by the way, and it's, is to play a card that's not really played very often, which is curious inversion. Oh, yes. Yeah. You, you know, yeah. it's, yeah. <laughs> Especially when you're attacking somebody that has shields as defense, and you suddenly you're hitting on hammers, and they're using Rolling dodges. Dodge. Yep. Right. Yeah. Kind of tricky. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I remember um, when that card first came out. I was like, "Oh my gosh, auto include for sepulchral guard and the, the harvest." <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, I mean, you obviously telegraph what you're doing, but, but yeah, it's, um, yeah, I love that card. That's a good, yeah. good one. Yeah, it's a good one. Um. Let me see. So, sounds like you had a good experience. And what we kind of want to know is, is if you had the chance to do it over again, what would you do differently? And would you go at all? That kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. I would definitely go back. Um, the uh, It's actually already scheduled for the second weekend in June. Oh, cool. Um, so, and the reason why they had to do it in June this year is because they're changing their venue to the Chattanooga Convention Center. Oh, so it's just growing, which is great. 
Yes, absolutely. And I talked to one of the TOs about it. Um, he was asking me some questions and, and I just, uh, he said, yeah, we're changing venues. It's going to be bigger. Unfortunately, we have to do it in June next year, but the following year we're going to have it back in July. Um, and, uh, he said, it's going to be a, a real convention at this, uh, this next one. And I'm like, that sounds great. Awesome. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, I really think that, um, with the promotion that this particular event and, um, play style as far as the team format, mm -hmm. um, I think that the promotion of it through the podcast and on Facebook and internet and all that, I think that that's going to only make it more popular. Um, <clears throat> and listening to Pat the Glory today, I heard Amon mention that um, there were some guys in the UK um, that may have some interest in even coming over to compete. Oh, at hop in the pond. Yeah. So, um, but uh, which I just thought, oh my gosh, that would be that would be incredible. Yeah. Um, if we were able to get more teams and <clears throat> and uh, but yeah, I, I definitely want to go back. Um, I'm I'm hoping that it will. We're supposed to make another trip next summer, so I'm hoping I'll be able to. I'll be available that weekend. Um, as far as what I would change, I think the main thing is practice. Mm -hmm. um, and it's doing it's sitting down like this on skype or hangouts or whatever having a discussion with your teammates if you're not able to do that in person and work out your decks and then actually get some reps in either mm -hmm. on tts or uh webcamming it like max bernstein does whatever what whatever medium you can use in order to get practice games in um, one of the things that um, Amon uh, Kusharo had said uh, on his most recent uh, Path to Glory episode was they had a lot of practice and they had a lot of help from other people in the community like John Reese and Tony Field and um, just some other people where they were getting practice games in. Oh, Max Percy was another one. They were getting prep practice games in and as a result – they were more prepared against certain decks and war bands as if uh, more so than some of the other, um, uh, teams. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, and I just think that's, it's just, just so important. Um, I mean, it's just like practicing for a baseball game and you're going to a game. It's just, you, uh, you, you practice like you're going to play. Yep. If you're sitting around eating cheeseburgers on the couch, you're not going to play very well. Uh, I'm going to lose now. Darn it. <laughs> <laughs> and, but, but I think that's, that goes back to it. Uh, and I knew I see my son and I got a lot of practice in, but we didn't really vary the war bands in which we were playing against. Um, and so that's obviously a factor. Um, but I really think that, um, uh, if if you and, and that's why I went to this tournament with the idea of I'm not going to make it to day two, um, mm -hmm. and we're just going to have a good time, and that's where we're going. Um, and um, and you know what? It, I mean, it worked out. The format changed a little bit because it was only five rounds. It were twelve teams. We ended up coming in seventh. Oh wow! Nice. So so I I am very happy with that result. We're middle of the pack. Um, and 
the top eight player, uh, top eight teams got good swag. And so that's really why I was excited. (laughs) So, because I got, each of us got the, um, that, that little mat that, you know, that's made out of paper and somewhat Mm -hmm. useless, but cool. And then, um, the, uh, the scatter token, um, the acrylic scatter token, which was awesome. And then you get the acrylic glory tokens, which is really what I was wanting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and of course you got the key cards. Um, and so, and, and of course my son was just beaming. And, uh, so we were, um, I'm so glad he was able to have that experience and, uh, and meet the guys on the podcast that he's been listening to. Right. Um, he had a chance to meet him on, he met Jonathan, he met, um, what was funny is, um, during the second day we had a skirmish tournament. Um, and, uh, I didn't realize this, but, um, Davey Calkins of what the Hex was on Amon and Jonathan's team. Oh, so, and, and it didn't dawn on me that like, oh my gosh, that's where I've heard this voice for before. Um, and, uh, and so I actually got a chance to play Davey Calkins at the skirmish tournament on Sunday and my son also played him. Um, and my son played him on and I played him on and I got my butt stomped, but that's okay. <laughs> um, and, uh, but it was just a really good experience overall. It was a lot of camaraderie and, uh, we got a chance to talk about other things, not underworlds related, um, which was also good. So that's awesome. Sounds like a fun time. It was very fun. Well, that's great, man. Well, I'm glad to hear it. And. Um, maybe next year or the year after or something like that, maybe we can try and get together a team and head out there with you guys. Um, I would love that. I would love that. So in fact, um, and, uh, maybe, maybe I can cherry pick and, and get, uh, uh, Jimmy and Jason. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely don't want me. I'm a terrible. No, I'm just, I'm, I'm messing with you, Trace. No, seriously. You don't want me on your team. <laughs> I would just drag you guys down. Well, uh, you know, I mean, ever since I saw that picture on Facebook of Jason holding up glass with the gods for, and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. 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 He's yeah. for real. I, I wish I could have taken it to Jimmy, you know, at the other tournament with the gods for but. Oh fi- yeah, yeah, yeah. Finally got it done. There you go. There you go. So uh, you have an event coming up here soon down down your neck of the woods. You want to give us the details on that? Yeah. So um, the um, the store that we normally play at is called That Computer Store. Um, it's owned by a gamer. He has um, half of the store is computer repair, and the other half is um, just wargaming. Um, and um, and so he's wanting to run an event on August tenth um at the uh downtown in downtown columbia um but it's also it's going to be part of the soda city comic con Hmm. and um so the tickets for admission on saturday is twenty dollars but you don't have to pay another fee to be able to compete in the tournament um and this past friday um not not yesterday or not today but the last week um he um, had the uh, the quarter four uh, organized play box. Um, so, and and I know you guys have seen those pictures. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I thought, oh my gosh, he's got it before anybody else that I'm aware of. I have to go take pictures and post them on Facebook. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and it almost made me want to do a Twitter feed, but I didn't do that. Um, I don't tweet, but anyway, so I, um, uh, but yeah, it's, um, I'm hoping to get, we, we have about, I don't know, regularly players as far as that goes, eight to 10 in this area. Um, and so I was really hoping to get several others to come down just because, um, I don't know of another event that's going to come up here soon that has the quarter four box. Um, and, uh, um, and it's going to be a part of Comic-Con. So you'll get a chance to go see, uh, the vendors and, uh, some of the other things going on. Um, and, uh, there should be enough time in the morning if you come early enough to kind of hang out and visit the con as well as after the tournament. And it's just going to be a three, uh, a three match tournament with, uh, uh, best of three format. Um, if we need to go to a fourth round for, uh, for the championship, then we'll do that. Um, but we haven't had to do that, uh, in the last couple of tournaments. So. Well, fantastic. So just once again, that's that's August 10th in Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, I believe Dice Roll at 1 o'clock, and it's at the Comic-Con event at the Convention Center? Yes, yeah, Soda City Comic-Con. Soda City Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, cool. I mean, you know, I, I tried to, to get there, but, but that whole life work family thing's going to get in the way. So, darn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hashtag priorities. Yeah. Um, well, I, someone's um, priorities. Yeah, and I appreciate the um your uh the opening of your podcast and just talking about how um balancing wargaming with a job and a family and and yeah. it really just because it, it seems like whenever you listen as you go on Facebook or not Facebook on the podcast or you uh, go on YouTube, it seems like these guys don't do anything else but this. Mm-hmm. But we have lives too, and we have to balance that. Yeah, and that that's why I appreciate you getting on because because we knew that you were able to take your your young son to this event, and I couldn't be more happy for both you and him to have that experience as a hobbyist, as a gamer, uh, to go to an event and and play play some good games and and get some cool swag. Yes, yes, the swag is nice. Um, so the swag is nice, but uh, like I said, the the fact that my son got to play against some really good players and actually did decently um for a 12 year old i mean that's i mean that definitely makes me proud that's awesome man yeah well um i guess we're just gonna kind of sign off with that and with the good feelings and hoping that i'm hoping that at some point i can take my son to an event and i know jason will want to take probably emma more than anything because she's she's into it man they're getting started aren't they jason they are (laughs) but uh brandon thank you again for coming on and we appreciate you just taking the time to talk out of your busy schedule because i know i know that you're supposed to go to disney next week and we tried to get this lined up to where you could um kind of sit here and talk with us so i appreciate it and with that we will uh we'll sign off and go to the next section thanks guys All right, and that'll uh, that'll round us out. So once again, we want to say thanks for listening. Thanks for taking the time. Um, you can find us on Facebook and iTunes and all your other podcast apps. Uh, if you 
like what you hear and you want uh, a way for other people to find us on the, the podcast apps and iTunes and things, the best way to do that is to leave us those reviews. So, um, you know, give us a five star, give us a four star, you know, something just, uh, you know, let us know how you think we're doing. If there's something that you would like to hear from us, something about the way that we game or the way that we do life, uh, the way that we balance, if you have questions, you know, hit us up. We're on Facebook at Battle Mallet Podcast. We're on Twitter at Battle Mallet One, Instagram, Battle Mallet PCast. We've got the Discord server, which you can find a link to in the show notes. But, um, you know, just find us, um, give us some feedback. We'd love to hear it. Um, so, I don't know. I think, uh, I think for this show, um, if you uh, if you want Danny to be interested, you need to consult him first about the model sculpts. <laughs> I think that's the big takeaway. You know, yeah. otherwise you're not getting my dollars. Yeah, just don't don't just assume that Danny's gonna like your models. Um, so uh, this has been episode ten, sudden growth uh, for the Battle Mallet podcast. We are three dads and the Marlboro Man. <laughs> just say no kids or you'll sound like Danny yeah this is what you can live for don't get involved in sports it's all bad yeah that sports ball who needs it when I can sit in the dark uh, <laughs> this is Jared signing out this is Trace signing out Danny peace oh he beat me to it this is yeah, I'm not letting you steal it again he's taking it back <laughs> Suddenly Jason, his voice is back. Yeah, right there. <laughs> Jason Tableloo Murray. Get the hell out of here. podcast is protected under the Creative Commons license. If you have further questions as to its use, you can find more information via links on podcast.battle-mallet.com. Music by Anno Domini Beats. Well, bias porn or bias porn, yes. Vice <laughs> four. Vice four.